Welcome to your one-stop shop for some of the best dirt track racing coverage in the Carolinas and beyond. We feature the SEDRA, the Carolina Sprint Tour, the Carolina Clash, and the Ultimate Super Late Models. Hear from some of the best personalities in dirt track racing. This is Doomwich on Dirt. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Evan McCrory and welcome back to episode 41 of the Doomwich on Dirt podcast. Uh, before we get started anything, I just want to thank everybody for 500 followers on Facebook. I know it's not that big of a milestone, but it was just one of those little goals I had going into the year. It's been a little bit of a slow process, but... Uh, I just appreciate everybody tuning in and everything, keeping up on, on the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, X, or Twitter, whatever you want to call it these days. I know everybody says the same thing about it, but yeah, and tune into the podcast like you are today. I appreciate it. Uh, if there, if you see any cool names you like or just any of the other previous podcast episodes, uh, make sure to tune into those, give them a listen, uh, learn a little bit more about the drivers we've had on or just any of the personalities of the sport. And today's guest is definitely one of the biggest personalities in the Carolinas, I think, Today, we're going to be talking to Mr. Hunter Weaver. He is the voice of the Blue Ridge Outlaw Lame All Series and the American Racer, sponsored by Velocia Modifieds. And yeah, we're just going to be hearing a bunch of stories from him, uh, his life growing up in racing, a bunch about Cherokee, because that's kind of one of the tracks he grew up around the most. Uh, just places he just missed, uh, misses being around these days. What some of his favorite things today, who he thinks some of the best like talent or pound for pound drivers are. It's just a lot. We'll even go over most of the results. We'll just do this on one big cut tonight. And yeah, just let you guys know what's been happening. We had plenty going on with Clash had two races at Lancaster and Cherokee. We were all there, Cherokee, for their Hall of Fame race. I'll just talk more about that. We had the River Wars with the Street Stocks at Traveler's Rest Harris and finishing off at Cherokee. Blue Ridge had their Labor Day showdown at East Lincoln, and we'll go all over that with Hunter because he was there for all of it. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It's going to be a pretty long one. Uh, just, uh, just sit back with a beer, get a drink, and just kind of chill for a little while. And yeah, if you have any previous episodes, uh, anybody you like, just go back and tune into those. Check them out. Uh, let me know. Don't forget to follow us on all the social medias. Uh, don't forget to follow us on uh, Spotify. Give us reviews on Spotify and Apple Music. And before we get into it, I just want to thank Kyle Jinx, Front Wheel Drive Friday, for again sponsoring our uh, phone segment, our interview segment. He sponsors the uh, phone lines. I just always appreciate him. And also for Victory Fuel, go to drinkvictory.com, use Doomwitch 10 for 10% off if you find anything on there you like. They got their amazing drink of, I think it's Throttle Punch. Yeah, Throttle Punch. I keep trying to say Victory Punch, but. It, honestly, I, it's not even BS. And if I wasn't even like ambassador or anything with them, it'd still be probably one of my favorite uh, energy drink style thing in a can like that. Just being completely honest. But yeah, if you find a t-shirt, find lanyard, sticker, anything they got on there, and the drink, obviously get the drink. It's great. I actually had one up on the way to Cherokee on a Sunday. <laughs> I'm trying to say it's Saturday. But yeah, I just hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Hunter. Uh, don't forget to follow him on Facebook and all that type of stuff. Yeah, just uh, enjoy the interview. Today's guest is the voice of the Blue Ridge Outlaw Late Models and the American Racer Modifieds. Uh, you've seen him definitely at a track near you, and you will see him coming soon to a track near you with either Blue Ridge or when he feels like going to a race wherever. Hunter Weaver, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. How about yourself? Awesome. So, like, 
pretty much you're I think you're one of the big mainstays of just the Carolinas in general, just like personality. Not not necessarily in the car, obviously, but just either if you're working on the mic or just BSing around, hanging out with the fans, hanging out with people in pits or just anything. People know you and they see you. Just uh, how how has your life been and just racing overall, just growing up around it and just being able to build so many relationships with people? You know, it's, um, you know, it, it's, I, I tell people this all the time. Like if, if, if you grew up, like when you grew up around my dad, like my family's been in racing since the mid 1960s. So basically when you get, when you're around that and you grew up in it and a lot of times there's all the, the history type thing will comes into where that the a youngster a lot of time is going to follow what their dad's doing. So basically, I mean, I was pretty much just embraced in that lifestyle and, you know, that's the way I've always been. And I mean, I, I mean, I, I'll watch some football and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong, but, but racing is pretty much, I, I don't know anything else. I don't know another lifestyle. Yeah. And there, I feel like this is such a like different area for that. Even though I feel like the community has probably been struck down over the years, just where people just come and going out of the sport and places shut down and kind of the number of tracks and just kind of areas been condensed a little bit. I feel like it's just still a great community. Like, even though I haven't, I, I haven't been around long compared to anybody really. It just, the amount of relationships and people I've met in the short amount of time has just been awesome. It just like, yeah, you're not going to have a hundred percent stand up people every single place you go, but more times than not, you'll find, you'll find some good people. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, I mean, there's going to be a few, you know, few ripes, uh, ripe, ripe apples in the mix. But I mean, it's, I mean, overall in the racing community, you're not going to find a more tighter knit group of people than there is. And I mean, there's a lot of times that I spend more time with people in racing than I do with my own family. Sad to say, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's the truth. Yeah. Same on Same honestly. It's like, it, it it's just an awesome thing, but. Uh, there two of the biggest things that you you do around the racing community and uh, work with is the Blue Ridge Outlaws and the American Racer uh, by Velocity uh, Modifieds. Uh, how do you really get into that with Blue Ridge and the Modifieds, and how has it been overall this season? Um, I've been involved uh, since 2020, um, and I I began announcing go kart races around 2017 through about 2019. That's pretty much all I did. Well, a friend of mine, Walter Tapp, got involved. Um, he got involved with the Blue Ridge. Well, that was also, you know, the year prior, uh, he got in. I've told this story in a variety of uh, places, but um, he's he got involved with American Crate All-Star Series the, the year prior. So um, he couldn't do all the races, so he, he gave me the call and said, you want to try it? And I was like, hey, I'd, I'd love to do it. And it's pretty much just been that's where i've been ever since and um it's it's amazing of how much it's grew every year and this year by far especially especially with the blue ridge it's it's been incredible uh i believe we've had over 90 almost between 90 and 100 different drivers have raced with us so far this year and um you know there's a lot of guys that i I grew up cherokee speedway watching late models every week legends and and veterans and people that i grew up with and then i end up announcing and being friends with a lot of these guys so it's uh it's a lot of times it's pretty much a dream come true for me 
was announcing something you wanted to do since you were a kid or something you kind of just found yourself in? Well, a, a little bit of both. Um, when I was a kid, I was like, I always had um, a, um, a collection full of like, like 124 scale cars and 164s and Same. different stuff like that over the years and different NASCAR stuff and things like that. Well, um, I would have races on the coffee table and just be playing around with them. I'd play with them at the dirt to racetrack, and then I would try to call, uh, try to call races, I guess. And there were a lot of kids. I'm sure there's a lot of kids that do that. But for some reason, my mom and my mom even said this, and I can't remember if my dad ever said it or not. But I, I vividly, I remember my mom saying that I believe he's going to do that one day. And then you know, turned out turned out she was right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I guess, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed doing it. I always wanted to drive and I did drive, but that's where I really excelled and been able to, it's, it's a, a natural thing for me to do. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. Like I would love to get behind the wheel, but just, just being able to talk and just, it's not just like when you're just like a commentary for a series or anything like that. You're just not talking behind a microphone just the whole day and doing that. You're building relationships with the drivers and fans and the people that run the different tracks and stuff. And just the relationship part of it, like if people haven't been able to tell by now, the relationship part is just almost as big as the racing for me. Just being able to just meet good people and just be able to have good conversations and connect with people. That's just one of my favorite things in general. And I feel Absolutely. like to be a commentator. You know, like the, you know, the racing part pretty much is just, you know, yeah, fifteen minutes of fame, I guess you could say. Yeah, and you know, but you know, when when you're off the racetrack and then you get to meet act, meet people the way they are, and you know, get to you know be around them. I mean, then you see, you know, who who really who really cares about you, and who really you know who's who's there for the the right reasons, and you know. There's some people you you're you get to meet and you get along with, but then there's certain also a certain amount of people you just mesh with that mm-hmm. it no matter where you're at it just seems like it's just like you could you could go without seeing them for three to four months at a time, yeah. And then all of a sudden when you see them again and then it's just like the conversation never even stopped like it just keeps on going. Exactly. I, I feel like I have a lot of people with that uh, that been that with, but actually one of my first guests on the podcast. I, I don't see him that often, but when it happens, either he's sitting in the car getting staging or something, or just over by his trailer, it's Justin Harris for me with front-wheel drives. He's mostly like a Lawrence and Seahaw guy, but I don't know. He's just one of them, like, just giggly, funny, just outgoing, always has a big smile on his face, guys, and you know, he doesn't matter if you've never met him before. He's going to treat you the same like his buddy he's letting drive his car or or his friends or anything, he, and there's so many people like that around. And it's just it's just a great community overall, like we were saying a minute ago. You know, I, that's I mean, absolutely. You know, I mean, I I know Justin. I know exactly who you're talking about. Awesome and guy. I mean, I don't know him that well, but you know, I've met around him a few times, and we've always got along well. But you know, I mean, I don't know him that well, but I know what you mean. I mean, there's quite a few people that are that way, and uh, especially around Cherokee where I grew up, and then especially with the Blue Ridge and. Um, you know, that people that I see almost every week and, you know, it's, uh, you, you become instantly closer, especially, especially if they're running good and you end up interviewing them all the time. Yeah. Funny thing is I had Justin on before the SCDRA winter freeze. Cause I knew he was going down to that and never really talked to the guy in person before. And then 
I walk up to him uh, at Winter Freeze. He's by his car. Talk to him for a minute just because he before he's qualifying or something like that. And then every single time I've ever seen him since the last seven, eight months or whatever, he just uh, every time I get within 20 feet of him, he's like, What's going on, boss man? He's just, yeah, he's just a funny guy in general. His whole group's good. I like Seth and all of them, They're good people. But uh, jumping over to Blue Ridge, they've I feel like they've had a very competitive season overall. Uh, maybe Scott has pulled away with the points a little bit, but I feel like anything can still happen, and especially for that. That rookie of the year fight, I feel like that's been a knockout drag out fight between uh, Nick Dietz and Colt Smith. Absolutely. You know, Scott, you know, he's got a pretty substantial point lead, but, you know, as, as anybody would see at how Lakeview went, it, it did not go well for the 10 crew. And mm-hmm. I think they, they run fifth this past week at East Lincoln. And, you know, it, yes. I mean, anything, like I said, like you said, anything can happen. And especially like with the rookie of the year battle, I mean, but, Colt and Nick, that has been a, a heck of a battle. Back you know, not forth. only for second overall in the points, they've been fighting for second in the points. But um, you know, they they've seesaw back and forth. One 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 night, one one would have a bad night, the other would have a good one, and then both would have a bad night. And it, it's it's all gonna come down to that last race. You honestly can't ask for any better when it comes to any type of points battle. It doesn't matter what it's for or what the prize or anything is. It's just. He just wanted to be competitive the whole way out. It, it, it just—you you can even have like one guy pull away for a couple weeks, and then he have a little bit of a slide, and the other guy makes a comeback. But I just like the points battles like this, where it's just like they're the complete opposites every other race, and kind of mix match, and then it just ends up evening up the points throughout the season. It's really cool. Oh, it is, and uh, you know, it, it's um, you know, we started off with the. I think we started off with originally with sixteen drivers that is committed to run the full season, but a lot of times that don't end up coming to fruition. You know, you don't see a lot of times if you have, you if you might start with eight, you might have four or something like that. Mm-hmm. But this year, we probably had five or six that run all the races this year. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, uh, you know, you don't see that a lot, and, you know, we've been grateful for that. And I think we've averaged about 20 cars per race this year. Yeah, and that, that's I think we've had two series. races where we had 16, and then we had 18 one time. But uh, it's, you know, a lot of times, you know, I've got to wear that. I mean, I pay attention to quantity, no doubt, but mm-hmm. I yeah, also quality. pay attention to the quality. I agree. So if you if you have you might if you let's say you might I'll give you a good example. Um, this past week at East Lincoln, we had five Thunder Bombers. Yeah. But all five of those Thunder Bombers, I'm telling you, that heat race was probably one of the best I've ever seen. One of the best I've ever got to be on the call for. And um, you know, it was old Camaro won won the heat race and held them all off. It was absolutely amazing and. Uh, when you you throw there's that picture that's on my Facebook and all five of those guys under a blanket like that I you can't that. ask for no better. Yeah, that was uh was that John? Yeah, John Reed won that heat. John and Reed, then, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you had him and Jeff Tibbetts and uh, Tony Palladino and Logan Matt Carley and, and Logan Sparks. I mean, those guys. Yeah, those were are five good names. Up in that it. Area. I mean, that, I mean that race to me alone, if I was a fan, that would have been. The, worth the price of an intermission for me <laughs> exactly what's this uh what's the line i see you use every once in a while uh you'll pay the full price for the seat but you're only going to use the edge of it that's exactly right <laughs> that's oh, exactly that's awesome. right and i mean and that was i mean and that and that wasn't no bs either i mean that was the truth saturday night yeah we, uh 
I think might as well, since we're already talking about East Lincoln, we can kind of just go over the whole weekend they had. See what else yeah, they absolutely. Had you know, it was um, uh, normally it's just me doing one class there, but uh, it was a lease program through uh, uh, Jason Smoot, who's the owner of the Blue Ridge Outlaws. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, he usually does that once a year. And we had the uh, Labor Day showdown, Mike Roy Memorial event. And on Friday, we had three classes uh, do a full show, uh, the Pure Stocks uh, and Chandler Barker. And, and that class, uh, a lot of times, uh, there's a lot more pretty much, it's pretty much turned into the, the, the Ford Outlaw class. Yeah. But, but you're also, you still can run Camaros or uh, uh, you can run an automatic or a manual transmission. And um, there's some guys that will pull a Monte Carlo out every now and then, and there, there'll be some, some Camaros thrown in there. But Chandler Barker, um, he, he dominated the Crown Vic class up there, this, the Pure Stock class up there this year. And he dominated once again Friday night. And uh, then we had the Powder Puff race on Friday. And that was a really good race, too, for the for the ladies out there in the front-wheel drives. And uh, front-wheel drive, they put on a heck of a show. Brandon Bond won the race, but it, it wasn't easy. Um, the, the unusual thing about it was was the – there's about five cars that were thrown under a blanket. But if you, when you watch a race, a lot of times, if you see people bouncing off each other, it slows them down. But <laughs> in this case, in this case, however, them guys got faster. Somehow. It's it just incredible things I've ever seen. And Brandon Bond was like, I think it was three laps ago. So the two leaders go in the corner, and I can't remember who. I think Alan White. Was yeah, Alan White. was a Brad Bond drove through the middle of them, passed them, and took the lead. Was able to lead the last three laps. It was awesome. They they've had some good racing based off of what I've been I've been able to catch on YouTube through uh, Brooke Sigmon, who pretty much does all their videos. I don't think she was there this past weekend, but. Uh, she gets their videos pretty much throughout the whole year. And there was a few weeks ago when Alan White had an in-car, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, GoPro on. And he was in second right behind that double zero, uh, the, the double zero M of Jeremiah Moore. And he just sent yeah, it, got down. He, I don't know if you saw this, but he went down and turned three. And just that right side tipped over and he started uh, barrel rolling in the middle of three and four. And White had to stomp on the bricks, uh, on bricks, brakes, and then turned right under him and barely touched him. And there was another car right behind them that could have plowed them. And those guys, they showed so much respect and just care trying to – they knew they knew what was going on in the situation and avoid, avoid fellow driver they're competing with and be able to just get out of the way and not cause any damage to their car. And I thought that was really cool because sometimes when you see – Big pileups like that, one car won't be paying attention and just pile in and just have just shit happen. But I'm glad they're able to keep it clean mostly in some of those divisions. I know them pure stocks, they've been pretty rough uh, some weeks this this year. And I think last week, or the week before Labor Day showdown was pretty rough. It was, um, it, they were on a racetrack about 45 minutes. It was right <laughs> before our modified race and... We were all wondering, well, is it going to get called or what? But um, you know, Friday it was uh, the total polar opposite, and the racing was really good. And we didn't have a half the cars, but you know, it, it turned out to be a pretty good show. But um, you know, and Saturday was, was was we didn't we didn't have quite the car count we had hoped for in all the support divisions. But to be honest with you, the racing was probably just as good as it's ever been. And um, you know, uh, the Pro 4 division, Everett Dunlap, was scored the winner, but there was a discrepancy about 
the track worker pulling a piece of tape off or something. Well, the track rules were that um, track workers are not allowed to pull sheet metal mm-hmm. that they had to pull off the racetrack. But what ended up happening was, was him and Cody Verbos uh, ended up getting uh, both getting paid first place money. And yeah. there was some discrepancies about that. But uh, if you want me to be honest, I don't think there's not much the track could have done at that point. But um, with all the circumstances that took place. And then Jeff Parsons, Jeff Parsons, he took on the win in the Renegades mm-hmm. and uh, between him and Duck Rowland and, and Paul Visage, he was, uh, he finished. In the division, uh, Colton Sam won it. And uh, of course, the Blue Ridge Outlaws, Jay Sessoms, Jay, he got out and uh, he, he lapped all up to ninth place in the feature. And mm. no, nobody had anything for him. And uh, it was, it, it was, it was a pretty good show from second on back, but Jay Jay had them covered Saturday night. Definitely and, seemed um, like it. And then we're looking back, just uh, the Thunder Bomber racing, Jeff Tibbetts ended up taking home the win there as well. Okay. Uh, let's see what that is. Yeah. Uh, yep, Jeff Tibbetts got it. And, yeah, it was that five-car uh, race you are talking about. It seemed awesome. I, I need to find a video of that. Uh, they had if a, I could find a video, I'm telling you, it would, it would be incredible. Yeah, Going back to the Pro 4 situation, what I also understood about what that piece of tape was, the track worker was also pretty new to the job and wasn't like too too aware of the rule of not pulling fenders, no pulling the, the tape and that type of stuff, in which obviously that made the Verbose camp not that happy. I saw Cody's, Cody in his mom's post about it, but I guess Cody's just happy to be able to keep getting the first place points and be able to keep doing it. Uh, I asked him actually, or asked uh, one of his guys yesterday because I knew there was a chance I was going to be up in the area this weekend. And I wanted to see them, and I was like, "Are you guys going to be up at uh, Ultimate Motorsports Park?" I know they're running your guys this weekend. They're like, "No, poor points racing. We're going to be at East Lincoln." I'm like, "Okay, now answer my question." Yeah, and uh, it actually that race, I don't think it was a point. It was since it was a whole lease program, it wasn't actually a points race. Oh, okay. So I know coming uh, up, is. it was it was a whole different format just racing for just racing for bragging rights and the money but cody um the funny thing about cody was was that he was supposed to be on the i believe the front row for the feature hmm. and um and we told the drivers that if, if once your once your division goes on the racetrack if you're late you lose your starting spot so cody had to start in the back okay and he come back up to second same situation happened on Friday in the Pure Stock Division. Um, Stephen Wren won the second heat, and um, and then he was late to staging, and then that put him in the tail of the field. So we was trying to be make sure we was consistent about that. And if we done it to one, you gotta you got once you do it one time, you pretty much gotta set a precedent after that. Yeah, you really do. That's one of the biggest things tracks in general just have to go by is just consistency. Have rules, go by them. Don't go back. Don't go back on your word. And if you do, that sets a new precedent and gets one side of people mad and makes the other one happy. And then if you try to go back to what it was before, that just flips the sides again. You can just never make everybody happy. Right, and uh, you know that's that's a that's a that's the tough part about being on the side of the fence that I am is that um, I I get to hear a lot of that. But I mean, I'm I've been on the racer side and I understand that too. I understand where they're coming from, but you also, if you got a rule book, that's pretty much what you got to go by. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you there. Yeah, so it seemed like some awesome racing at East Lincoln. Like I said, there's a chance I'll be up there this weekend, but obviously I'll let everybody know on social media where I'll be doing which on location or 
We're just if if I will be to anything this weekend, I plan to. I'd like to because I'm not. Uh, uh, next weekend, uh, next weekend I'll be at Talladega uh, for the SCDRA race. Next week and then next two weeks after that, I don't really have anything too much planned. But yeah, I've never been out to Talladega Short Track. Want to check that place out? See how it is. See some good bang bangers put on a show. See if there's I'd, any more drama. I'd love to go there, especially the way that they've done the racetrack and everything. Now it looks like it'd be you know really spectacular seeing yeah. that place. Put up that new wall in one and two since they had the World of Outlaws there in March and April. It didn't even look the way it drove. It didn't even look like the same racetrack. It didn't. I. I would like to talk to like a driver. I, it doesn't matter if it's a front wheel driver or a late wheel guy or anything. I've been there before and after and see what they thought was different or how they felt about it. That would be that'd be interesting to find out. Because uh, I know there's a couple of SCDRA guys like uh, I believe Billy Tidwell. He he is from that area. I, I might have to ask him this upcoming weekend about that. But yeah, that'd be cool to that'd be cool to find out because it definitely seems like it when I remember back in April when they had the World of Outlaws fifty thousand to win out there. But absolutely, you know, and uh, that's uh, that's a lot of time talking about track changes. You know, I've seen, you know, I was there, you know, at, at Gaffney with the, the half mile change. I was there with the, with the half mile as a kid, and then I've been there with the, the three eighths mile, too. And you know, um, you know, at the time, you know, the you know, with the way the cars were, that you know, a bigger track would put just as on a good of a show because the cars wasn't quite as advanced, but. Now, I mean, I've seen some really good races at some big racetracks on cars now, but I, I'm I've got to where I've, I pretty much love little bull rings and just little mm -hmm. bitty little quarter miles and tight racetracks and stuff like that. They, they, it ends up putting on a, a heck of a show. I mean, sometimes you might have cautions or some uh, pissed off people and tore up race cars stuff like that. But to be honest with you, it makes it, it makes it a lot of fun when you just those little bitty places like that. I agree with you there. It, it's just, I think the smaller you get, the less air you get taken out of it. And just aerodynamics has just advanced so much, especially in the last 10, 20 years, especially in the late models. I know in all classes, you can feel a little bit of air depending. Yeah, maybe if you're at Lancaster, I'm not too sure. But yeah, like back in those days with Cherokee, like how upset or like just how were people in general feeling when they went down from the half mile to the three eighths? It was, um, you know, a lot of the bigger late model guys were for it. Um, a lot of the bigger super late model guys were really for it because even to this day, sometimes it's a whole lot more harder on equipment and, um, you know, the motors, your, your, your temperatures are going a little bit hotter than what they usually were or what they should be and what they try to keep them. But, um, you know, a lot of the lower divisions hated the idea. They hated it. How do you think and, the fans uh, felt more overall? I felt like that wouldn't have been too popular of a move with the fans. It it kept some, but you know, it a lot of me. But no doubt, it uh, it 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 upset a lot of the the a lot of the fans there too. It uh, there was a lot of mixed emotions about it um, over the years, and um, you know, the first few. I mean, it's put on some great racing. It really has. Yes, and. Uh, I mean, just like anywhere you, you, you anywhere you go, you're going to see bangers, and you're also going to see snoozers. Mm -hmm. So it, I mean, it. But from a, an equipment standpoint, I'm sure engine builders they love the idea of shorting it because yeah. that's probably more or less less motors that they're having to rebuild. But I mean, it. I mean, it could go either way with engine builders. 
because, I mean, they need business, but also at the same time that uh, the racers are having to take that same motor to get it refreshing just because the fact that they're running a motor that's running it, you know, way, way hotter than what it should be. Yeah, and then there's some guys this year that just keep blowing them just so much and they just can't get no lock on your side. And then a bunch of the engine builders have just been so far behind because they've had so much work and there's just not that many engine builders out there. Like I saw Vic Hill talking about a couple uh, weeks ago on some flow flow sports work he was doing with Ben Shelton. And just like there's just not many, many of us doing this engine work and there's not many people that were able to really pass down this trade to. And I feel like that's just going to lead to problems down the road. I obviously hope it doesn't. But uh, one guy going back to a guy that just been, seems like he's been blowing a bunch of engines is Benji Hicks. I was with him up at Lernerville when he uh, – I can't think of what it was on the motor, but he was in one of them prelim uh, prelim races, blew it, blew motor pretty much, and he had to drop it off to Clements in Kentucky. I believe Clements in Kentucky. And then – he had to go back up there a week later to pick up another one that was just getting freshened and then tried to see if his other one was worked on the right buddy. We're not working on it for another six months. So just don't even try it. <laughs> I'm telling you, I mean, it's, it's amazing how, how quick these things just can do, can get turned around, but also the fact of where did the, where did the pockets come from to pay for these things? Because like forty thousand dollars, I mean, mm-hmm. most people you're sitting there thinking you can't even wrap your head around where in the world do you get the money to be able to do this? And you know, and, and back to the Blue Ridge Outlaws, um, you know, we, I mean, for many years up until this year, the super the super late model engine was allowed, but. And, and to be honest, like, um, I mean, and I've heard this from a lot of super guys is that they cannot afford to go run anywhere with a super engine for less than $3,000. Hmm. You can't afford, you, they can't afford to, to even unload the car for less than $3,000 if for a super, with a super engine. Yeah, just for so, the and, you know, the great thing, you know, a lot of guys that are running the Blue Ridge are running the Crate 525 engine or something similar to it. And they're probably spending anywhere in the neighborhood of ten to fifteen thousand dollars on a motor, and that's about how much a brand new Crate Five Twenty Five engine is from from City Chevrolet is roughly ten eleven thousand hmm. dollars. And you know those those motors, like I mean, I know guys that have went a year on one. I mean, I've seen a guy go two in two years on a motor before it finally let go or it started having problems. So. Um, you know, if you have an engine like that, then you maintain you maintain it well. You, you you take care of it the way it needs to be. It can last you a long time. Yeah, that, that's why I feel like a series in division like Blue Ridge is just essential and just something we really need. And uh, I feel like more people need to respect and enjoy in the Carolinas for. So, uh, for certain reasons, like you guys allow the different types of motor packages, you guys have different rules for what you have, and you try to make it like like you told me on Sunday at Cherokee, you want a forty hour a week working guy to be able to just be able to work on it when he can in his free time to be able to go have some fun on the weekend, and that's what you guys do at Blue Ridge. Exactly, and uh, you know the and and back to the tire rule thing, you know the the, the you know with with Hoosier. Oh my gosh! Oh my uh, god! Two hundred sixty-two dollars for a tire, maybe two hundred seventy in some cases, and you know, a lot of times they're not lasting that long either. And you know, and and I'm not and I'm not bashing Hoosier by any means. Hoosier does make a great product, 
But also at the same time, you also got to take into account that most of your people that are paying the bills for these parts places or paying the bills for a lot of racetracks or mm-hmm. anything in racing in general is your people that are working working their ass off during the week. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, and that's why we keep, you know, we keep Spud around American Race Retire. And I love Spud Bennett. You know, he's, he's, he's absolutely one of the most fantastic people I've ever met in my life. And, you know, you never know what's going to come out of his mouth either. And, and and I'll hold Spud there just in a minute. I'll tell you a story about a couple of stories about him in a minute. But I don't know if you know Spud that well. But, I don't. Uh, he's absolutely fantastic. But um, Spud's been an American racer for 20, I think he told me this year, he says 21, 22 years he's been an American racer. That's almost as long as I've been around. <laughs> That's how long he's been, you know, he's been – uh, entire sales and and distribution for American racer. But, um, you know, these tires and we were running before when I first started, there was the American racer 12s, uh, 48s, 56s, different compounds like that. But those tires were kind of what similar, what a lot of Hoosier late model tires are putting out. Those those tires would go through and they'd be going through them like crazy. And, you know, we, we, we set out at the end of 21 to look and think, how, how do we, how do we build a, a people to be able to afford this and be able to afford to race it? And, you know, that's where the pro two and three tire compounds come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and Carolina East Lincoln, uh, well, well, most of well, Carolina and Lancaster now, they, a few years ago, and it's like a, it's a, a roughly a hundred dollars a tire cheaper. And, you know, a lot of, they're lasting twice as long. Why is so that? It's, well, it's, like, why is a, why is a bunch uh, like a pretty much half price cheaper tire able to last so much longer of how American racer produces them? Like, why do you think American racers last like ha- and have more durability than the Hoosiers do right now? It's just of, of how they're actually manufactured. Um, and the actual plant is in Pennsylvania. Um, so those tires are, are full blown American made tires okay. and, and, and the rubber, the rubber is actually, is completely different, um, that, than what Hoosier is. So the sidewalls are different. Everything about the construction of the tire is completely different, making it a harder, a harder tire compound to where it's going to punch. It's, it's nowhere near a, a softer tire compound, which makes it, it's going to be slower. Mm-hmm. But also at the same token, you know, once you get it going, it can produce a lot of speed, and it the, the speed can last a little bit longer. So, um, you know, that's why a lot of guys are running them. And but I mean, and and we're not, and I'm not, and and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We did have a lot of you know a lot of flack on when we changed the tire rule. We had a lot of flack on it. What is that tire and, rule now? Do what? What is that tire rule now? For the the American class. Racer Pro Twos and Threes, and the Threes coming, the Threes are a couple points harder on the durometer check versus the Twos. Um, and basically, the bigger engine you run, if there's certain engine packages you run, like the I-95 engine or some steelhead mm-hmm. engines, you have to, it's mandatory to run the Pro Three tire on the right rear. Okay. Um, and in some cases, like. I have seen like some guys like at Sumter when the racetrack's a little bit harder, 
with a softer tire, they'll buy a, a Pro 3, or you can run a, a 56 now, which is the same as a Pro 3. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, it's the same It's the same tire equivalent. It's the same equivalent. So um, those guys will bolt that tire on, on purpose to, to try to get some life out of it to where it, it, it lasts a little bit longer during the race. So, okay. um, you know, basically it's just, it comes down to the construction of the tire, it being fully American made in Pennsylvania and like based that. off uh, specialty tires is the, the company, but that it's all under, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's just basically just when it's a harder tire compound, you're going to be slower, but it's going to be faster, longer. And it's, you know, it's going to uh, help out your wallet a little bit better. Yeah, I, I feel like just anything being able to help the cost in general because uh, you can't even – obviously, we're going to blame COVID a decent bit because inflation has just been crazy the past three years in general. But even before that, racing is just – it's in one of the most expensive hobbies out there, just plain, plain and simple. It doesn't matter what car you're in, you're putting in thousands just to get started. It doesn't matter if you're in a Crown Vic, a, a Pure Stock, Thunder Bomber, all the way up to late mile sprint cars, depending on what area you're in. It's just an expensive hobby. And uh, actually go back to with like the Hoosier and their national late model tire rule. Uh, I don't know if I really said too much about this on podcast, but I was at a late, a super late model race recently and they didn't have that many cars. They were just spread out over the whole area and they had a couple of crate divisions below them. And some of those guys are like, Hey, I know your car count is a little low. Is there any way that we could just jump in to be able to run with you guys, get a little bit of money and double up? And the promoter for that series, uh, director, he was like, I can't let you run without the Hoosier National Late Mile 3 or 4. I don't know if it was 3, but I think it was maybe a 2 or 3. But And then they're like, I, I don't have it. Like, Why do I have to buy these tires to do that? And he's like, I, with me being on these regional series rules, I literally can't allow that. And for my still make my drivers have to run those tires when they know that the other ones last. If you're going to be running your American Racer 44s or – uh, the Pro 2s or whatever they are, it, it's just going to be unfair to them. And I don't want Rambo Franklin, because you know Rambo would raise up a shitstorm in a situation like that. And I mean, um, quite, quite a few would. Yeah. It, but the, the promoter but used Rambo as an example. And you can kind of guess who I'm talking about. I talk about him a lot on here. But, <laughs> um, yeah, he was, and there and so pretty much if you asked the – if you let the American racers run with them, the Hoosier guys would be like, well, do we have to buy American racers now? And that would just become a whole thing. So I understand his stands of just having to stay firm with it. And then those guys are like, well, is there a place for us to buy? Do you have a Hoosier? Does somebody have a Hoosier trailer here for us to do it? And like, nope, you're you're out of luck. I, I can't do anything. I'm sorry. And then I, I feel like that upset a couple guys. But it, it just I feel like these national late mile tire rules just in the regional and smaller level has really kind of handcuffed some people i feel like to a certain extent i mean to a point i agree with you but also at the same token you know you gotta the guys that are pretty much that are supporting the series is full-time that are running strictly supers yes um you know you, you can't also you you pretty much can't you know uh blindfold them and, and throw them mm-hmm. in the dark to go run a Lucas race, for example, when that's the tire rule. Exactly. And you got to have, um, like, if you have to run, um, you know, th- this certain tire compound or, or 1350s or just, just different, or 1350s, 1600s, if you had that in one series, but you can't run another, 
So, you know, it's to be honest with you, I would it would it's kind of better off this way because it's a little bit more uniform now to yes. where any if you're running supers and you're on that you and you're on that tire cycle, you can go run any super race you want to. And there's even more regional guys like Dan Stone. I talked to him in the show, show a couple months ago. I asked him what he thought about it and he he wasn't uh, he, he didn't really say too much about how he felt actually racing on them. He was just happy he didn't have to have 20 different types of tire uh, in his trailer to maybe use once through the season. Have it because he was telling me sometimes he'd have tires dry rot before he even had a chance to use them because he just would have so many on there because he wouldn't know when he would need to use one. He'd be like, yeah, I'd have this tire that I would feel like I would have a decent chance to be able to use it pretty soon and then just how a track would be prepared or just where he would go he would just never get around to use them so he's he's done he's been fine with running those threes and fours and just being able to kind of have a smaller selection to choose from and i feel like some guys do feel like that too and that's been helpful some people just knowing what you need to have and have it more limited i mean and, and we were kind of that way with the blue ridge is that you know there's certain engine packages like you could run a 12 and unless you've been under living under a rock, the American Racer Twelves, and I know people that run Hoosiers all the time, and they say this is that the American Racer Twelves, and they don't even make the Twelves anymore, but those Twelves are the best tire that American Racers ever made. I've heard that too. It, it is it is wicked fast and has a lot of grip, and but you know if you get a guy that's a, a halfway decent driver. And he's got some horsepower and some good equipment, and you and you put him on twelves. I mean, it's gonna be hard to outrun the guy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that's basically what it you know, and that's kind of the thing that we done. That's another reason that it's changed to twos and threes. There's only two tire compounds or three tire compounds you could run: the twos, a three, and a fifty-six. So, I mean, it, it really it helps a lot of people out. How is the fifty-six compared to the two and three? The 56 is the same, th- is the hardest tire before the, like, that's not the Pro 3 series, the Pro Series tires. The 56 is the hardest tire that American Racer makes. Okay. Makes it's sense. the hardest tire compound, which punches the exact same thing as a 3. Okay. But then there's also different types. You have 56 rain treads, um, and then you have 56 just regular, you know, uh, block tires so um but uh those uh, th- that tire compound is it punches the same thing as a three okay what uh do the rain treads ever get used or any any situation they do they, do, they, they get used a lot more than what people thinks it does and uh, it's, it's been it, it does pretty good do you have a uh example this year of any of the rain treads being used or just any um, any type of thing? The any only times that I can think of uh was Johnny Pridgen at Lakeview. Okay. Um, the last me. time that he ran with us, he had a fifty six on the right rear. And okay. um he was in the top five a lot of the night until he got caught up in a wreck and it he on a restart and it took him out and it, it took a lot of people out that night. But he was in the top five or a lot of that race and showed some speed, and he'd probably been a favorite to win that race. Yeah, in that area, you can't count any of the prisons out. <laughs> you really can't, even Matt. That, Matt, especially now in this area, in that area, they run either just Lakeview or Sumter, and they just get used to those two. But they'll they'll venture out a little bit, especially Johnny, if they if they need to. 
Absolutely. You know, I've seen Matt, you know, I, he ran a lot of uh, 604, like big 604 race stuff mm-hmm. last year. And um, he, I think he he went to Friendship a couple of times and I've seen him at Gaffney. He's been at Gaffney and uh, different places like that he's ran. So, but he pretty much, you know, um, he pretty much committed himself to Sumter this year. Yeah. And, um, you know, he, he, he enjoys racing there and he almost, he's almost won a couple of times there. So. It's hard to knock off on men's boys. The though. one he's had to challenge, you know, is uh, Justin Mintz and, and Michael Marlowe. You know, that's been – those yeah. the two guys that's been dominating there this year. Yeah, I was excited to – yeah, they did have the late models on this uh, – what was it, a week and a half ago when they had the Carolina Sprint Tour there. That was supposed to be their final points race, but they ended up getting rained out and having a big lake in the middle of the front stretch and having a bunch of kids running too because they already knew the race was going to be gone. They just took a while to kind of decide it. But that's going to end up being that got pushed back to October twenty first. Uh, a minute ago, you mentioned a friend, old friendship, now Ultimate Motorsports Park, and they announced yesterday. Well, XR announced yesterday they're going to be having an XR Super Series race next February. Uh, you got any any thoughts on that and how that how that event's going to play out? I'm excited about it. Um, I'll I'll probably be there at that one. I will. Um, and you know, and a lot of and a lot of people know this, but a lot of people don't know this is that Jason Smoot, owner of Blue Ridge Outlaws, is now involved with that place. He used to run it when it was at Friendship. It was Friendship at one time a few years ago. Okay. Um, he used to, he used to be the, the track promoter there, and he he does a lot. He's uh, does a lot of track prep, and they've put a lot of time in that place. Um. It was uh, Jason, Bill Link, a few other people involved up there. They've uh, they've done a heck of a job uh, getting that place up and going. And uh, a couple of times those open practices, uh, Carson Ferguson was there at a couple of them and a few other guys and Brandon Shepard and a few other people was at those practices. And they were like, this place is awesome. And uh, um, with them taking that inside wall out, I don't know if you ever seen race at Friendship with the infield, but the way that place drives now is completely different. It was when I was up there before, so I'm really excited about getting back up there. I hadn't been up there in about two years or so, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I am too. I, I was bummed out. I missed the, the uh, Ultimate Supers season finale there a couple of weeks ago. That seemed like a really good event. It seems like they packed the place out with a great environment. Uh, if I end up not making the East Lincoln, there's a small chance I'll make it for their 9-11 Remembrance race this weekend because I just want to be able to check up, check track off my list. I haven't been there before, uh, even when it was Friendship. And I'm just happy to see a track kind of brought from the dead. Uh, did they run any last year? I know they did in 2021. Uh, they ran all the way last year. They ran all the way to August of, this, of last year. Okay. Yeah. And I, uh, there was some changes in the, the management and ownership there and um, you know, the race, uh, the racetrack was actually kept up. Uh, there was people going up there and testing all the time. So that. it wasn't just basically just sitting there the whole time. So, um, it wasn't too bad of a turnaround to get that place up and going. Uh, the, 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 um, the facility was kept up pretty decently and, uh, the track was kept up pretty decently. So it wasn't too bad of a, uh, a transition to be able to get that place up and going, but, the plan during the winter after the last race is because a lot of people don't know that that place used to be asphalt. Okay. So there, the asphalt is still underneath the dirt. So the plan is after the last race to take all the asphalt, uh, take all the dirt off, take all the asphalt up, 
take all the asphalt out, lay new back dirt back down on it is the plan for next year. Uh, what does having that asphalt under there affect with the dirt on top? If um, I've seen it before, if the racetrack starts getting rutted up and the racetrack starts getting a little bit choppy, uh, there has been times where the there'd be chunks of asphalt coming out from underneath of the racetrack before. Mm. So that's kind of been a problem that they've run into, and they're, the plan is to take it all out and then expand the pit area behind turn three and four uh, down into that area back in the woods and to where you come on the racetrack and turn four. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I've seen some videos and I understand kind of like it would be around and kind of come off and four. I'm just excited to see that track just be being ran by the Colors. I, I think they'll do a good job. It seemed like they started off on a good, uh, good foot and just, I just hope they keep it up and just keep that track going. And I'm just happy to see it. Uh, I'm actually on my, on my TV here. I've pulled up some old Cherokee uh, videos. I think this race is from 92. Yeah, this is from, I think this been, this is March 8th, 1992. And it's crazy. It's crazy seeing the whole open area in one and two. That's now the pits and just a little bit of stuff they had out there. Uh, well, what are just some things you remember about Cherokee back then? Just how the atmosphere was, and the with all the pits looking like all the pits were on the inside there. What, what, what was just your thoughts of just growing up in Cherokee in the early two thousands, late nineties, and stuff like that? I'm telling you what. Um, I mean, my family's raced there. I, it's been involved way before I was born. I was born in ninety eight, but. Um, you know, I was, I mean, I kind of came out, you know, I was still around kind of the end of the, I guess what a lot of people would say, the quote-unquote golden era, because I would, I'll tell you what, the 90s, the way it was in Cherokee County in the 1990s, from probably 94 to probably two, probably early 2000s, probably 03 or so, 04, it was basically you would go it would it, during football season it would be gaffney f- football on friday night and you'd go there on saturday for the oh, race man. fans but um you know it was the atmosphere i mean and i got to see a little bit of that was you know every saturday night no matter what was going on it would be wall-to-wall slam full of people i mean and it wouldn't it, it would just be a regular saturday night show and you would see just some of the, some lifetime races that you'd never forget about. And, um, you know, I've been around guys like people that got inducted like last weekend at Gaffney with Max Doggett and, um, you know, like the Thunder, the, the Thunder and Lightning era, guys like Billy Bishop and Eric Rogers and Tim Good, Strawberry Davis, Jamie Madison, those guys that, you know, it, it, it wouldn't make Cherokee famous. And, you know, I heard Fre- Freddie Crawford, a few guys that ran super late models that moved to the Thunder and Lightning division, they oftentimes said that they even moved down the division because the competition was that tough in that division compared to supers. And, you know, it was it, those guys, they would put on a show and there would be 15 cars and at least 10 of them could win a race every Saturday night. And I mean, I've seen, I've, I've seen some of the best races I've ever seen was, was during from the, from that era when I went back and watched it, just trying to remember those things. And, um, you know, seeing guys that run super late models at weekly at Gaffney, guys like Mike Duvall and, uh, Roger Hammer, Jack Pennington, 
Um, you know, so many people, uh, Buck, uh, Buck Simmons was another guy that was, that you could throw in there. Ed Gibbons would show up every once in a while. And then, uh, uh, Rambo, of course, Jeff Cook, Petey Ivy, um, you know, just names the names that go on and on. And, you know, you would see them every Saturday night and that would be like, you know, you're, I, w- I wouldn't say you're gods, but like people that you, you, you like looked up to it as like your heroes, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And you would see them do things and you were like, wow. And you would say, how in the world did they do that? And, you know, that's the way it was. That's the way the culture was every single week. Yeah, it, it definitely seems just like a special time in just racing history. Just like it's kind of stuck in time where you, you just can't replicate it these days. It doesn't matter like how much social media and promotion we have these days and uh, just how much spotlight you can put on it. You just can't go back to how it was back then. And I really wish I was around back in those days. I wish I could have been about 15 years younger and I mean, 15 years older, if I was 15 years younger, I'd be like seven right now. But <laughs> I, w- I wish it was back in those days where I could have just been able to experience more of that just to be around it and just, just be able to but see some of those old, races old you're talking enough about. to where you remember it. Yeah. Like you being born in 98, you probably didn't start remembering them until probably oh three oh four probably. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, probably oh well, like you. I don't know if you've seen that picture or not that that posted about finding my dad, one of my dad's old yes, cars. I did saw that. That was awesome. And and I and I and I was walking through the pits and I looked over and I and I seen and I looked and I looked at the back roll bars and no, I've never seen a never seen roll bars constructed that way ever since then. And I looked and I'm like, that thing's familiar. And I knew that this, this, this same family had it. I knew they had mm-hmm. had it, but I lost track of it about 10 years ago. And I didn't see it anymore, but I went up and I looked at it and I said, oh my God. And, and I'm like, I'm, I'm starting thinking, if there's any way I can buy this car, I'm going to buy it. So if, an if I ever bought it, my plan is to build, to hang a new body on it and put that same wrap that was well decal set that was on my dad's yeah. stuff around 02 when he won so many blooming sportsman races and um he ran crate lake models like crates come around 03 and 04 mm-hmm. so he was he was at the beginning of that and okay. he was all around the beginning of that guys like jay sessoms and kelly fexter and uh billy thompson so many people that were involved in it at that time and um Excuse me. So, um, you know, the second, and, I, and I, there's so many things I remember about this, about this lake model was the second ever, like the big city Chevrolet Crake Nationals. That was at uh-huh. Gaffney, like 04. And I still have that check. It's in my shed. And it was 20, paid 2,500 to win a crate race, which was big, which would have been 10,000 at, at this point in time. Yeah. But, inflation. Um, you know, they, so, and at the time, in the the trailer that we had was about a forty. I don't know, it was about a forty foot trailer or so. You know, just a forty foot gooseneck. And this thing was it had eleven quarters in it. And it was freaking long. Well, um, that weekend they had tore the motor down all the way to the ground. Well, I fell asleep in the I fell asleep in the motor. I, I was only six years old at the mm-hmm. time. Well. I woke, I woke up and I walked out of the trailer and I, and it didn't, it didn't dawn on me that I was still in the trailer. <laughs> well, I walked out of the trailer and it, and it was, and it was 
light out. It was in the morning, and we were still at the racetrack. It was like 7 o'clock in the morning, and they had tore the motor down all the way to the ground, tore the carburetor apart, and he got rewarded the win, but they handed his carburetor back to him in pieces and said, put it back together. Ain't that something. <laughs> That's crazy. I just... I just I can't even imagine being able to just grow up around it and just be able to have that as your life growing up and just building those relationships from the beginning and people you've probably known your entire life, whether they're friends of your dad or people you looked up to and you or just other kids you ran around. That's just that's just really cool and just seeing how awesome how awesome Cherokee looked back then and I'm still glad to be able to have Cherokee around these days and I feel like they're they're doing a decent job right now. They're They've tried to work on the track a good bit. I feel like the racing in the weekly divisions has been really solid this year. I mean, from what I've been able to see, I don't get to go there much, but the, the weekly race has been great. You know, it's, there's quite a few places around this area are great. You know, Travers Rest, you know, the. I mean, I spent a lot of time down there before and, uh, and you know, you know, end of last year and end of this year a little bit, and the racing down there has been was great. Uh, Harris has uh, got a heck of a weekly program, too. Um, you know, and we in East Lincoln, another track has got a, a great weekly program. Um, you know, Lancaster's got a great weekly program. I've seen some good ones at Carolina as well. Um, I mean, anytime you can go anywhere, you can see a good race. Yes. If, if you have the right drivers, the right track conditions, and everything has a line, you can see some, some absolutely some, some races that just melt your face off. But, um, you know, I was also seeing doozers at all of them. Uh, uh-huh. it just seen snoozers at all of them. But, um, you know, speaking of Harris is that, um, and I'll have to send you a picture of this. My dad's first, one of his first race cars was around 19, I think it was 90 or 89 or 90. Because he graduated high school in 88. So this would have been around 90 or 91, somewhere around in that area. Well, um, he had a Richard Petty painted Chevy Monza and he had another, he had a couple Monzas, but anyway, um, there was one night he was on the front row at Harris and I can't remember what year this was. This was around, I don't know, 90, 91 or something, but so he's sitting on the front row. He's the first main event. So they get all the people up in the stands like they're going to do the freaking um, uh, um, pre-race ceremonies. Oh. Well, <laughs> when they when they start playing, and he's sitting there thinking they're going to play the national anthem, we're going to get ready to go race. They start playing Hell's Bells, <laughs> and he, my man, is sitting on the front row, and he's sitting there thinking, "What in the hell have I got myself into?" <laughs> well, he 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 sure he stayed out there and he went and run the race, and I can't remember how it went turn out. But I can't remember what he told me, but. Um, you know, there's another one that, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the 94 blue gray 100 or not. Mm. You can find it on YouTube. It's probably on that same little thread you were watching that 92 race on. Let me pull it up right now. (laughs) I'll tell you what, if you pull up, I I think it was after the the super race. If the super race was on there and then after that was a class called super modified four. Well, at that time, that class, you could run a full tube chassis. So my dad and my grandpa had a bright idea, had the bright idea to go buy a lake model. They bought a lake model and put a four-cylinder motor in it. 
and um they won a bunch of races at thunder valley and i got all the trophies i think i counted like 15 or 16 trophies from one year at thunder valley mm. well um um which is also Cleveland County Speedway in Longdale, but uh, that place is badass in itself. It was awesome. What, but, um, uh, what division was that again? Super Super Modified Four. I see Modified Four. This was later super. in the night. This was uh, like if you go through it, you'll find a Super Race, and it's after the Super Race. Well, my grandpa, um, he was in a it was a black and, and a Carolina blue painted one car. And it was a TNT chassis late model, same brand of TNT that's still around today. Um, so they bought this car, and I don't know if you've ever heard of Kenny Compton or not. Mm-hmm. Kenny Compton, former Carolina class champion. Well, on Friday, it, uh, Saturday and Sunday was the show. Well, on Friday, Kenny was still in high school at this time. So they flew Kenny in on a helicopter on Friday. <laughs> Landed him at the racetrack, and people looking over like, "Who in the hell is this?" What big somebody landing on the in the parking lot at Gaffney in a helicopter in 1994, which would have been like aliens landing somewhere today, you know? Yeah. Well, around that, well, that they all raced together. Well, these the and the, and my grandpa will say today that some the Compton family was some of the nicest people he's ever met in his life. And they would be like, hey, they always would come over there and be like, hey, do you want anything to eat? I mean, he, 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 we have steaks over here, just different stuff, you know, just, you know, just being real hospitable. That's awesome. Well, they dropped the green on Sunday on the big race. Well, my grandpa was leading the race. Well, Kenny was right behind him running second. Well, when they got about the start-finish line, and right before the start-finish line, my grandpa had bumped up and hit the wall or something. Well, his hand, when he when he bounced off the wall, his hand flew up and hit the kill switch. Mm. Well, Kenny run right in the back of him, went across the racetrack into the wall. Mm. Well, my papa won the race. But we ended up getting DQ'd that night because we refused to tear down or something. Huh. Well, after the race, Kenny then come over and was like, hey, do you guys want anything to eat? And he's there thinking... I thought we was going to get our ass whooped because yeah. we just wrecked their race car. They didn't say one word about it. That's awesome. I'm trying to find the, but I'm going through the 94 blue gray right now. I'm skipping through the super race. I'll go back and watch this sometime. Uh, nope. Still Scott Bloomquist gone by a mile. <laughs> so it was the one after the super race. Do what? Uh, uh, that super modified four race was the one after. It was after the super race, I do believe. Yep. Man, Bloomer is just gone, it seems like. Is that Bloom? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, there, that was there, Bloomer. Scotty. So I saw a notification, I think it was from JC Norgard, who takes photos for uh, the uh, for World of Outlaws. He posted he had uh, Scott in his contacts, and it looked like Scott made a Snapchat today, which that's kind of terrifying. It'd be funny to see. I, I think I just started the. I think I just found it. Uh, what car am I looking for here? What a couple cars I'm looking it for? It was a black and blue, uh, blue one car. Okay. Uh, what What do these cars look like? A lot of them look like uh, old Wedge Lake models. Really. Okay. Yeah. No, I found it. Yep. There it is. There's the one. Yep. I see it right now. So this that, is the one where he pulled, right the, uh, pulled the kill switch accidentally. 
Yeah, and it was like on the first or second lap when this happened. You're just going to pause the whole podcast. Just yeah, I don't – this video. is entertaining. If anybody wants to go back and see this, go to – oh, I just saw it. Let me go back a minute. Let me get this uh, timestamp for you. If you go watch a 1994 Blue Gray 100 on Cherokee on YouTube posted by uh, Michael McIntyre, it's at the 146-minute point, 145. Yep, and then he slid down and hit the front stretch. Who was that that he hit? Uh, who was that that hey. slid down and hit the inside wall? Kenny Compton. Kenny Compton. Yep, I was trying to think. It was like Compton, Clifton's. <laughs> I was trying to think of the name, but yeah, uh, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep this just playing on TV. But uh, I'm. I just got a couple random like this. These could be just like quick fire, just uh, questions or whatever. Uh, what like what's one of your favorite lost speedways that's like not around anymore that you like grew up going to or just ones you've been to that you just wish was still around? Uh, you know, I, I'll give you two. Um, you know, they're both in Cleveland County. One was uh, Cleveland County Speedway, which was also known as Thunder Valley. And um, it, it's up in Longdale, North Carolina. Well, the only thing that you can still see there is the sign. Like when you pull, like there was an archway. Yeah, I know where that, uh, yeah, know where that sign is. Yep. And it had the archway over the top of the, the, the main gate there. And that's the only thing you can see now. Yeah, I, I know exactly where that sign is. I grew up in, uh, I actually grew up in Bostick, uh, right outside of Forest City in Sunshine. And my aunts lived in Shelby. So, I, yeah, I know I know exactly where you're talking about. Um, that's one place. And then, uh, the last year, one year, the last year of the Cleveland County Fairgrounds Speedway, when they used to run on the quarter mile a few years ago, uh, um, I had some fun times over there and I, I actually raced over there the last year it was ran. And, uh, I ran four, I ran front wheel drives over there a little bit. And that was a fun little place to be on Friday night. It was, um, it, it didn't have, they didn't have any scales, no rule book, just run wherever you want to run. It. And it was most fun you could ever have. I think we need more of that these days. I, I just, <laughs> I like, I like to see that more. And with it being a small of a track like that, there wasn't no point to cheat because you couldn't get it. There wasn't, there wasn't any speed to the place. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bull ring kind of have less rules like that, less uniform, uh, and just leave it down to the drivers. I, I think that'd be a cool idea to see how it go. I know people would take it too far and take advantage of it, but it'd be interesting to see in the beginning. And run like I think you could. Well, at that time, though, they run about four to five classes. You'd have a late model class, and then you'd have a uh, thunder and lightning, and uh, uh, front wheel drive, and a young guns class, and maybe like pure stock or uh, something like that thrown in there. And it was awesome. That's awesome. Uh, let's see what else I got on here. Uh, if this year, let's just say for 2023 in Carolinas, I know you're not able to get out to some of the tracks, and you're mostly mo a lot of your weekends taken up with Blue Ridge and the modifieds and that stuff. Uh, give me just a couple of drivers you'd put like up there, top of your list for best like pound for pound drivers in the Carolinas this year. This year in the Carolinas, you you probably stumped me on this one, but um, you know I've I've seen a lot in my time. But, you know, and I'm not even going to give these in an order. I'm just probably just going to give them randomly. Um, you know, John Ruggiero Jr., one mm -hmm. of the top drivers in the crate. I don't care if he's running 602 or 604. The man can full-blown drive. Um, you know, he's smooth He's smooth as silk. And, um, you know, a lot of times if you see him lift, his car is handling very poorly. 
So um, he's probably one of the top five, like probably best drivers in the Carolinas right now. Um, uh, you know, Austin Wayne Self, one of our American Racer modified drivers. He's, I, I would probably say if we're going to go overall, he's probably the top driver in the Carolinas right now. But just because he's only lost one one race with our series this year, and that was a DQ. And um, he's won every other race except that. And I think he's only lost one, two races this year between us and the Mideast Modifieds. Uh, he's ran a few of those races when we're, we, we weren't scheduled. He'd run, he'd run those races too, and he's been almost unbeatable in those. And he's only lost like two races. I think he lost it. Uh, Travers rest one time to tie an order, and then he got beat at a uh, county line uh, hmm. earlier this year in the Mid East. But uh, you know he's probably one of the top drivers there is. Uh, 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 Jay Sessoms, um, and I know I'm kind of partial, but you know I, I don't know how many times you see a guy run probably uh, probably ten, maybe ten times a year, and the man wins almost every time. That's that's hard to do. Yes, it is. Especially as t- st- as tough as the competition is nowadays, you pretty much got to run every week. Except if you're Jay Sessoms in this case, uh, Jay, he's. He's ran three times this year, and he's won all three of them. Yep. What was that? Um, uh, one, uh, one at Cherokee, one at East Lincoln. Now, where was his other one at? That was Sumter. Uh, Sumter, yep. And then he won Sumter last November, and then he won Lakeview last November and Thanksgiving at East Lincoln. That's insane. That's crazy. How old is Jay these days? Jay, I uh, – Random guess. Jay, if you're listening, please don't kill me. But I think he – He's somewhere in his early 50s, I'm going to say. I'm going to say him and my dad was around the same age. My dad died when he was 47, so that was six years ago. So I'm going to say around 52, 53, somewhere around in there. I'm not positive, but I'm, I, if I had to give a wild guess, that's what I'm going to say. That's not a bad guess if you had to kind of range well, around. Well, I'll give him credit. I'll, uh, he drives like he's 39. Yeah. Doing better out there than good old uh... – Doug Sanders on his 75th retirement tour. I love you, Doug. <laughs> I, I love Doug too. You know, he's, he's, he's raced a few times with us and, uh, he's, I've gotten to know the guy, I've gotten to know him pretty well. And, uh, he's, he's pretty cool to be around. Yeah. I, I think he is too. I, I saw, uh, or no, I didn't see it. I was in victory lane, but apparently after the clash race, there was a little bit of dust up between him. And I think it was Ben Watkins where he like, hit Ben in the pits and then like went up to his car and like hit the roof or something, got in his face a little bit. I don't know too much about it. my buddy Greg told me about it after when I came back from Victor. I'm I, like, I'm like, y'all I, didn't pull. I'm I like, heard, I heard something about it, but I wasn't sure. I was like, what are they talking about? But I wasn't, I wasn't exactly sure. And I, I don't know all the details or anything about yeah. that. Yeah. I, I'm like, all of you guys have phones here. None of y'all could have pulled your phone out and gotten a video for me to post or for you to post or whatever. That <laughs> just, just, just some form of documentation. Documentation. Please. You could have wrote it down like you're in, like you're the lady in the courthouse writing down a script of everything happening. Like I, I would have took anything. <laughs> but that's funny. Uh, man, before we, uh, before we get out of here, I think I'm just gonna go over the rest of the results for a weekend. You can just kind of butt, butt in whenever, but I think the only other, I'm trying to think what else I kind of cover. We went over everything East Lincoln, we kind of touched on Cherokee a little bit. I say, uh, let's finish up with Cherokee and then, uh, probably get out of here for the night. I'm gonna throw Harris in there. Um, 
I'll pull I'll pull up Harris results and we can kind of just and, and also this week you know uh, the first annual sheriff's race. Where's that going to be at? At Harris Speedway Saturday night. Um, Southern Vintage cars will be there, but apparently they're going to have a few local sheriffs behind the wheel and, and race against each other. I'm go- I'm going to assume in Crown Vic cars probably. Probably talk to which I think will be really cool. Yeah, I think that would be awesome. Uh, let me see. Yep. Featuring the sheriff's race. Yep, that looks very cool. Let me get their whole schedule. Pull, pull these results because they had uh, night two of the River Wars with the Ultimate Street Sock Challenge East Division. And I believe Caleb McLaughlin won that one. And he was actually my driver of the day yesterday. I believe Rod was second in that one. Let me get this result up. Uh, in the futures, it was Drew Banks picking up the victory over Chase Carter and Josh Mathis. And I don't know too many of these guys. I know Nate Jackson, Joey Powell, and let's see. Uh, quick time was Andrew Howard where he ended Caden, up. Caden Presnell, he took on two victories, you know, front wheel mm-hmm. drive on Saturday at Harris and on Sunday at Gaffney. Yes, that, that was a really interesting beginning of that race at Cherokee on Sunday when Caden, uh, Caden picked up that victory. That's been, that's been a, a whole ordeal. No, I've heard. I, some people blame Caden. Some people blame in the Hot Wheels car behind him. I can't remember exactly who runs that one. Uh, we'll, we'll see it in a second. Uh, yeah, in Street Stock for River Wars, it was Caleb McLaughlin. Second was Rod Tucker. Third was Dalton Peavy. Devin Morgan, who ended up picking up the victory Saturday or Sunday at Cherokee. He finished fourth. Austin Brown, sixth. Blake Pryor, twelfth. Yeah, there was a whole incident with Blake Pryor, and uh, I can't think of who. Uh, Josh Burgess. Yeah, Josh Burgess. Yep, uh, was pulling in. He got. He ended up getting DQ'd for that. Uh, the whole incident. There's plenty of videos been posted around with it. I know uh, Kurt Burrell posted on TikTok. And let's see what else we got. Pure Stock was on by Brandon Byers. Ray Hudson was second. Ray Hudson's dangerous anywhere he goes. He's a really good driver. Absolutely, you know, and that class is absolutely awesome. You know, Showtime Nathan Pierce uh-huh. and uh, you know. Uh, those guys like that, you know, Junkyard Jet, Dwayne Worley, you know, anytime he rolls through the gate, he's going to be a favorite. Mickey Brock, I mean, yep. there's Justin White. There's mm-hmm. a few guys that are just absolutely tough in that class. Yeah, and they, they I, I think, honestly, they put on one of the best shows week in and week out. It doesn't matter where they're Absolutely. At. Yep. Uh, Thunder Bomber, it looked like it was Preston Dimsdale picking up the victory over Bailey Hip and Justin Watts. Dylan Chappell got fourth. Coleman Sizemore got sixth. Michael Owens beat eighth. Justin Truett, he had a full weekend. He, I know he. I talked to him Sunday. He went to Carolina Friday, ran pretty decent. I think, yeah, he got second to Benji night, which that's nothing to sneeze at. <laughs> Benji is Benji. He's one of the toughest competitors in the Carolina, especially when it comes to the Thunder Bomber. Absolutely. You know, and, uh, you know, there's uh, Ronnie Pinson winning the Young Guns V8s and, uh, you know, A.J. Barker, my buddy A.J., picked up the win yeah. in the Pro, Monster Pro 4s. Uh, and then friend of, old friend of mine, Barry Bryant, in the, the Ford Outlaws division. And, uh, you know, Barry's a, he was, he's somebody I grew up watching. I was around him a lot. Um, he drove one of my dad's lake models at one point. Um, he's, uh, he was, um, he had a lot of things happen in his life and he's getting his life turned back around and he's raced a few times this year. And about most of those times he's won one of them being at Carolina and the other one being at, at Harris. So, mm-hmm. um, glad to see Barry racing doing well again. I am too. 
Uh, that was pretty much everything for Harris on Saturday night. Good event. I, I just like we already talked about how Harris earlier. I, I enjoy that track. I, I, I grew up 20 minutes from it and never really went to growing up. I wish I did. Oh, I'm, ha- I'm happy to see that track running, doing pretty well. They have great weekly divisions just throughout. Uh, jumping over Cherokee on Sunday, Brandon Kennard won over Kay Langley and David Lucas after he won the Futures on – well, not David Lucas. I get him and Drew Banks mixed up sometimes. But congrats to Brandon Kennard on picking up that victory. Christian Patterson, who's been strong all year, ended up finishing fourth. Jesse Wall, the wall banger, was ninth. Benji Whiteside, 11th. A good field, 18 cars for Renegade Sportsman. I think it's a really strong field for him. Yeah, and then, the, you know, the Monster Minis, you know, Matt Gilbert dominating yeah. again uh, in the 117, you know, and Zach Mitchell, he just put on a clinic in the yeah. Carolina class. And he, that, he needed it for a charity. Nobody, nobody had, no, not one soul had anything for him, and Shane McDaniel picking up the bounty money over Luke Dogg at Saturday, yeah. Sunday night. Yeah, all, all of a sudden, yeah, I'm just happy they're able to get some of that drama with the bounty just – done for for a little bit because there was a stuff for a couple weeks with rod and doggett with uh rod picking up victories but not getting the bounty i'm happy to see someone finally get it you know and uh, and shane mcdaniel you know he's one of the veterans of cherokee and you know, he's been around there you name it you name it he's been around it mm-hmm. and glad to see he, one of the old veterans get a win and then dustin morris you know he he actually won tr friday and then he won gaffney sunday yep and then, uh, like you said earlier, Austin Self picked up another victory with the Mideast Modifieds. He got that over Billy Thompson and Greg Brown. I don't think anybody else really had it for uh, had anything for him throughout the whole race. Uh, I know they had that parking lot in turn one. I think I was a little bit uh, around halfway, uh, caught, uh, caught up a bunch of cars. But congrats to Austin Self on getting that one. Uh, let's see what else we got here. MMSA, or talk about that. Uh, see if there's anybody else we missed, but yeah, just Zach. Awesome to see Zach pick pick up the victory there. He he needed that. He the the last two super races of Cherokee, the Mini Supers race and the uh, what was it, the XR Throwback race, having issues and those after leading a bunch of laps. Uh, I know Zach was happy to rip that monkey off his back. Uh, Jeff ended up holding on to second off of Trent. Trent was kind of coming through. He was passing a bunch of those guys that was there in the middle of the pack and just. I thought he was able to get around Jeff there at the end, but Jeff got second. Christian Thomas with a strong finish in fourth. Uh, Jordan Kohler fifth. Sixth, Clay. Seventh was Ben Watkins. Uh, the only people I really know that fell out at the end of that race was like Benji Hicks. Uh, I believe he had a drive shaft go out pretty early. Rich Koiken, uh, Doug Sanders, and Anthony pulled off early. Not too sure really what happened with Doug to lead up that thing that might have happened. And then. Uh, Anthony had something else happen. I know he's just ready to get to. He, he went to Panama Panama City to get away from the track for a little bit. <laughs> he, that that man likes the beach. Lucky man. Mm-hmm. Some of us have to be doing a podcast on a Tuesday night and can't be just drunk at at noon sending me Snapchats. But <laughs> we we love Big A. He's he's one of my favorite personalities in the sport too. Oh, he's cool as hell, and uh, you know I've known him a long time, but uh, you know he's. He's come a long, long way from where he started. I've watched him from the beginning, and it's it's amazing how 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 good of a driver Big Eight Anthony Sanders has turned yeah. out. To be honest, I love Willie, who was on the show last week. But I, I and the relationship I've been able to build with him, I, I wanted to see Big A pull it off with the ultimate this year, getting that championship. I'm telling you, if you if you ever get around, like the the best time to be around Willie is during the cars racing show. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Hickory, I'll definitely in January, be out there for that. we usually have a we have a booth at that, 
but uh, that's usually a, a pretty fun time and you know everybody hangs out and cuts up it's uh it's 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 a it's a fun time i i've been thinking uh, i'm I was just really starting all this stuff uh, the, over the winter, but I was considering just going up there and just kind of mingling, meeting a bunch of people, just getting season off on a good foot. But just it ended up not making it this year, and I, I have been considering getting a booth for this upcoming year. I'm uh, I'm gonna keep thinking about that over the next couple months, and we got that coming up in January. But either way, if I don't have a booth, you'll definitely see me up there, just hanging out and talking to people, just seeing what's happening. That'll be a fun time. Yeah. Uh, we got anything else we want to BS about before we get out of here for the night? I think, I mean, it, it, unless you want to bring something up, I mean, it, I'm, I'm here. I'm all ears. Uh, it's, I, I think we might have to say it for another one down the road down in a couple weeks or a month or so. We're uh, we're about, a, where are we, hour 15, hour 30 in? <laughs> hour 20. Hour 20, yeah. Let's. Uh, I say let's let's. I'm gonna have you back on probably, and uh, I say let's do this again in a couple weeks or a month or definitely before the end of the year, and we'll have you back on. We'll go for another hour and a half, and don't don't want the people getting too bored of us. But I don't think that was some of the fun stuff and good times and uh, different talking different things we've been talking over this last hour twenty. But yeah, uh, Hunter, I appreciate you coming on with me tonight. It's been an awesome time, and yeah, we got. Uh, Plenty of racing coming up this week. I know Cherokee has their March Madness, or their, not March Madness. What am I saying? I said that I did the same thing last week. They have their Open Wheel Madness coming up this weekend. With they got the Open Wheel Modifieds. They got the uh, I, I think it's the Middies Mafia Tour. They got no Eastern Mafia Tour. You know the name of that series? I'm trying to think of it. The, the UMP Modified Mafia yeah. Tour. Yeah, UMP Mafia Tour Middies Modifieds. I think are going to be back. And then the USCS 360 Sprint Cars and the Carolina Sprint Tour 305s are going to be there. A couple of weekly divisions, but I think it's going to be a really good show. I know they they had a pretty good crowd there in July for it and just end up not working out with the weather. They had a couple of weeks happen that with Cherokee, but I think it's going to be a really good event. Uh, you got anything coming up, coming on tap for this upcoming weekend? Well, this actually this weekend my mom's getting remarried, so that's where I'll be Saturday. But uh, I'll be doing that. I'll probably try to make. I'll probably try to ride up to Harris or something Saturday yeah, for that man. little deal. But um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta marry my mom off Saturday, okay. so should be a fun time. <laughs> and then now it just popped up on my TV it was a uh, nineteen eighty nine World One Hundred. <laughs> Uh, uh, you're gonna have a night full yeah i know i'm mean, so this is gonna be what i'm doing while i'm getting this podcast uploading and stuff tonight but yeah, it's been awesome getting on here uh people can find you on facebook hunter weaver keep up everything you do with blue ridge on facebook and all that stuff on their website the velocity uh velocity the american racer mods you can find them online uh hunter i just appreciate your time tonight thanks for coming on the show absolutely buddy you know uh, uh check out our website uh, i mean of course our facebook's but uh, Blue Ridge OLM.com and AmericanMods.net is our website. So be sure to check those out and check out schedule and all that and uh, come see us soon. Awesome. Well, yep, this has uh, been episode 41 of the Doing on Dirt podcast. I appreciate you guys coming on and listening to us tonight. Uh, I don't blame you if you had to listen to this in two parts, but you made it all the way to the end of it. I appreciate you. Don't forget to follow me us on all social medias at new inch on dirt that is d-u-n-e-w-i-c-h on dirt facebook instagram twitter uh, i mean x uh tiktok all that stuff and i will let you guys know where i will be at this weekend coming up see ya